the OTB Podcast Network. There he goes, 1-2, opens up, back for Sadio Mane, and it was coming. Mane scores for Liverpool, what a wonderfully worked team goal. The three Liverpool front men linking up the 1-2 on the edge of the area with Firmino and Salah, and a beautiful delivery from Roberto Firmino straight onto the head of Sadio Mane, who heads it past a flying pepper. And you've got to say, it's no more than Liverpool deserve for their start in the second half. Chelsea nil, Liverpool won, Sadio Mane. Oh, keeper's made a mess of it, Mane! Sadio Mane scored a second. It's an absolute horror show from Kepa. Chelsea playing it around from the back. And as Kepa looked to play it forward, Mane put the pressure on him. Got a toe poke on it. And he slides it into the empty net from six yards out. What a start to the second half for Liverpool and Sadio Mane. But Kepa, well, the end can't come soon enough for Chelsea supporters with their goalkeeper. That is a shocker. Yeah, it wasn't great. Great, that was the way we saw things on commentary yesterday. Liverpool 2-0 winners at Stamford Bridge across what was a gold bonanza weekend. 39 goals in 8 games. Everton 5-2 winners against West Brom. Leeds, I think we're going to enjoy Leeds. 4-3 winners against Fulham. Crystal Palace beat Manchester United by 3 goals to 1 at Old Trafford. We had Southampton going down 5-2 to Spurs. Arsenal 2-1 winners against West Ham. Brighton 3, Newcastle 0. And Leicester 4, Burnley 2. Pat Nevin. Good evening. Goals, Pat. Goals everywhere. Uh, um, yeah, everywhere you go. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to two games, actually at two games so far, and I've, I've had a 4-3 and a 3-0. Um, but every time you turn around, it's just goals all over the place. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, I don't know if anyone why? I mean, there's, you could argue that the part of the reason is, you know, players aren't up to it yet. They're not 100%, you know, fully fit yet. But surely that should apply to the forwards as well. Um, maybe they've not done the work that they should have done on the defenders, or the defences and structuring them. But a lot of the defences are the same defences that were there last season. So I'm not sure that one holds up either. And I, I just wonder, it's a bit early, but I just wonder if, do you know the teams that are winning things like Liverpool and Man City and like defending secondary are there, are there more teams that are thinking, all right, that's the way to go now? And they're just being hell for leather and going for it. I don't, it's probably a bit of everything, isn't it? Mm. But it's extraordinary way it started this season. Yeah, it sure is. So let's start at Stamford Bridge then. Liverpool 2, Chelsea 0. This was utterly a routine for Liverpool in so many ways. Right from the start. I mean, I think Chelsea fans might look at it and think, well, they're sending off just before half-time. And it goes pear-shaped after that, but that would not be true uh, because uh, Chelsea were a, a long way away. Um, well, first of all, Liverpool would create, look really comfortable. Probably they ought to because that's a team that's been playing together for three, four years, really building up to it. And you look at the Chelsea side that's put up there, and uh, certainly two of the front men uh, haven't, haven't really settled in yet. The two, Werner and Kai Havertz, haven't really settled in yet. And, of course, I think what everybody knows and what Frank Lampard's probably acutely aware of is the defence still isn't right yet. So they seemed a real distance off, but it's early days for Chelsea. You can't tell too much for them. One thing you can you can tell definitely is that uh, Liverpool, they look, they look hot. They look as if they can score almost at ease. And like last season, they can change the pace again whenever they fancy it. And I, I think when they were 2-0 up against Chelsea, they took the foot off the gas. And had they needed to lift it again, they would have. Yeah, it was a very consummate professional performance on Liverpool's part. You mentioned Havertz and Timo Werner there. What were your 
early impressions. Where are these two going to play for Chelsea? Um, well, I don't know because I, I'm guessing Frank Lampard doesn't know. On the negative side, so it's not obvious. On the positive side, well, you can play Werner wide attack either side and centre forward. You can play Havertz about three different positions as well. He's better on the right, but he can play 10. You know, he can play a bit deeper as well. And he can play centre forward. You can say the same about Pulisic when he comes back as well. So if you get them all firing, and by the way, they can all play, um, that could be extra special for them. And they in the short term. I've, I have a suspicion they'll end up going for Giroud or Tammy Abraham directly through the middle and the others coming from wide. So attacking areas, the likes of Havertz and uh, Timo Werner coming from wide. Uh, but Werner in particular, he worked hard and all the rest of it. But I'm sure you've heard, the men, everyone listening has heard, that the guy's absolutely lightning. One of the quickest players in the league. You've not really seen that yet, have you? No. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think, having watched him, my God, he is incredible. He's just like lightning, but it doesn't look like that. But he's not lost his pace. He just needs to get to match fitness. And uh, as he'll, he'll be a danger. I don't think anyone's looking after a couple of games. I mean, he's got a couple of penalties for him as well. But after a couple of games, it's, it's too early to judge those two, certainly. No, I'd hope so. Because I watched uh, Fabinho pick his pocket twice in the penalty area. And I was thinking, well, this isn't a good start. Well, he's not a winger. He's a wide attacker. I specifically said wide attacker. Mm. If you get a, a one-on-one and he has to do a wee jinky dribble, I, I don't think that's him. But he's, if he goes and attacks and he gets all his pace, he just goes by people with pace. I and mean, it's pure pace when he's got it. On this occasion, he was starting and he, there was no explosion there. And um, when he tried to jink, it just looked, it didn't look good at all. He just didn't look like a, wing, a, kind of a skillful winger. Mm. But as a wide attacker, when he gets going, I, I, I'm pretty confident he'll score quite a few goals. But do you know what? That might not happen for a wee while yet. And, and certainly with Havertz, if you look at his history, um, he's very similar. He goes through periods, particularly at the beginning of the season sometimes, where he doesn't score for a while. And then when he goes in a run, he's like unstoppable. And mm. I've watched both of them as finishers. And both of them are spectacularly good finishers. Um, and Chelsea definitely needed that. So not best to gauge them against Liverpool. Um, and certainly not best to gauge them this early on. No, it's true. It does uh, this season more than, well, any I can really remember. I feel like we're on shaky ground when it, when it comes to making early conclusions here. It's, it's impossible to know who's fit and who's not fit. Yeah, um, I suppose what I was trying to get my head around it is, for, in times gone past, this would be about the third week of pre-season. You know, you've not even played a game yet. Really. You're two weeks away from a game still. <laughs> you know, and even when you get the first two or three games, you think, well, you're not really up to speed for another two or three games yet. So you're, you are talking five or six games before some players are up to it. And I think specifically um, players that aren't used to the league. It's a big thing coming into a different league with a different style. It seems like a, a footballer's excuse, but there's a couple of complicated things that are, are generally happening. A, you're playing with a group of people who don't actually know your specific strengths, where exactly they should play the ball to you, where you like to go, because everyone's got places where they like to go and they start understanding that, but it takes a little while. Um, you also have to know that what your teammates are good at. I mean, we might know how good Reese James is at putting a cross in, but unless you've watched it quite a lot and spent a bit of time on it, you you, still, you don't actually make those runs yet. So, and that's for any player in the league. So that's when I watch somebody like uh, Crystal Palace, and they've started really well, haven't they? Mm. It's just the same team again. They <laughs> just have a wee bit more confidence that they've got. So they're not having to do anything different. They absolutely know exactly what each other does. 
So that's a real help. So teams that might struggle a wee bit are the ones that sometimes bring two, three, four players in at a time. And at the moment, the most obvious of them is Chelsea. And we still, I have to say, it's been a bit disappointing because they didn't play that well against Brighton, got the result. And against Liverpool, they were by a distance second best, by a long distance. Mm. Meanwhile, Kepa, you almost hate to bring it up. Last season, you know, he's coming off the back of a season where he had the worst save percentage in Europe's top five leagues. He saves about 54% of shots which come his way. That was his average last season. We are talking about the most expensive goalkeeper in history here. It's quite an extraordinary situation. He needed that moment uh, yesterday like a hole in the head. Yeah, to be honest, it happened before that during the game. There was a cross ball put in early back post. Most of the time, most keepers, and including him when he's confident, he just goes and catches it. And he does this flappy punch thing and you're thinking... You actually look smaller than you did six months ago. You you look inside yourself, and it's it's you know obviously it's so much on top of him. You know certainly the, the goals he's lost, but also you can't you know the fact of what's happening in the press, what's happening with fans, which people just don't rate him, and it's 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 really filtered down. You add on top of that, he's actually not particularly good at playing out from the back, and he's been asked to play out from the back, and he's not good at it. You know, some some goalkeepers are, some people's keepers aren't. Well, he's not. He's just not very good at that. Mm. Um, and I, that bit, I feel, oh, actually, a good bit of sympathy for him because when you've been asked to play that sort of intricate passing move out, some defence, some centre-backs can do it and they're outfield players. And you're asking certain goalkeepers to do it that just are not, are not trained to do it. They're not capable of doing it and never will be. And, you know, that, that was a painful one for him. I think that was the second most painful thing that, ha- that happened to him. The most painful thing, when Frank Lampard was asked later about him and said, I don't want to say any more. And you thought, oh dear, mm. that did not, <laughs> that's a horrible thing to hear. That almost feels like, I don't want to say any more because if I tell you the truth, it will be so painful. And uh, I'm just going to shut up. And that was a really, that, that sounded really bad if you're kept. I just know. Maybe Frank didn't mean that, but it, you don't want to hear that if you're a player. I suspect he did, because he I mean he tried to defend him uh, very recently. Maybe it was last week, and yeah. it just gets tricky. It just well, he won't. He won't now. Yeah. He, he couldn't now. There's no way you're going to do that in that situation. And he just didn't look that confident in the game. So uh, I, I think everyone accepts it's, it's you know the ratings probably on the wall for him. Um, and you do you feel sorry for somebody, but that's that's the business. The business is tough, you know and. The thing is about Kepa, you, th- you know, get another team that will want him when he eventually does move on, if we get him out before uh, the transfer window finishes. But mm. um, I think for for his benefit, you wouldn't be surprised if it was the best thing. Mm. Thiago for Liverpool came on and I think it was very apparent to everybody. He settled in very nicely in many ways. He uh, gave me some touches on the ball. Thank you very much. You know, all that experience and uh, confidence was evident. Can I put something Kenny Cunningham said uh, this morning on our morning show to the lads? He said uh, of Thiago, their squad is uh, strengthened by Thiago's arrival, but for me, they have spent £30 million on a third-choice number six. I think he's inferior to Fabinho and Jordan Henderson in that role. That's why I'm surprised they brought him in. He's an experienced player, he's a good technician. We saw a bit of that yesterday, but what we also saw were defensive deficiencies. We saw the number of missed tackles, we saw the penalty he he gave away. He's weak defensively. Thoughts? Um, it's, it's quite harsh on them, considering 
there's lots of positive to his game as well. He's got a bit more vision than some of the other players there. Uh, I think he's a little bit more creative than that. He's not really a goal scorer. I don't think that's his thing at all. But if you look at what's beginning to fade, maybe, in the, the Liverpool midfield, the, the backup likes of Milner can't last forever. Mm. You, you need to cover that at some point in time. And somebody can play a couple of positions, which Thiago can do. You know, he can play a little bit further forward, he can play six. He, he, he is adaptable in that position, and he's shown that at a very, very top level. Um, the other question is, is actually Wijnaldum. You know, will Wijnaldum stay? You know, it looked likely that he was going to leave. You know, the contract, I understand, is running out. It's got a year to go. Um, so they had to cover that position because they couldn't go in this season without adding anything much. But then if any of those two players either go or have a longer-term injury, you're really beginning to be stretched. And considering how stretched they are up front, they needed numbers in there. So they couldn't bring in just anybody who, you know, was just not up nowhere near that level. They've brought somebody who is at that level. Um, so I, I think it makes perfect sense. And they've not, they've not broke the bank to do it either. Um, and now and again, you need that. You need someone, it's not a squad filler. That's, that's offensive to say that to him. It's more than that. Is he going to make them fabulously better? Probably not, but he's mm. going to make sure they don't get any worse. It's going to be a really interesting season. I mean, Liverpool, it was funny, like that game yesterday was the first big game against a team at their level. Leeds fans, you'll allow me that, I think, that they've had to win probably since the Atletico game. You know, they're almost, and, and yet they got right back into the habit. The odds this season on, if you take players that will have a, a, a marked impact on, on their performances, if they're to f be injured for a long period, the odds again on Salah, Mane, Firmino, let's throw in Van Dijk, Trent and Robertson, going effectively another whole season, all of them, without, <laughs> without long-term injuries. That feels increasingly remote, doesn't it? We see every season. This will be the third season, probably. Of third seven. season, yeah. And, you know, we've been proved wrong twice. She so may be proved wrong again. But that's got to be partially luck. It has to be partially luck. Players don't, you know, they're not superhuman. They get injured. They're human beings. It will happen at some point in time. And they are riding a luck to some degree. It's intelligent use of players. I'll grant you that. He's changed the system style. You know, they're not high tempo all the time. They don't play the gigging press all the time. I get it. So you've kind of, you've lessened the chances of those players getting injured, but they will. Mm. It will happen. And also on top of that, which did happen last season, once or twice players went through dull periods. We didn't play well. Salah had a period where he wasn't playing well. Um, and it's taken a huge chance. Now, they were in for Werner. They wanted Timo Werner, but obviously they bulked at the well over £50 million pound price tag um, and you, you accept that you, you didn't think it was worth taking a chance on it but somebody of that ilk would have I mean if they went and got a, a Wilfred Zaha and brought him in you think that's it done mm. job done you're okay this year but it does take something almost of that ilk to bring in but maybe they want to take that chance again it's a big big chance to take though but it worked last year so it might work again Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said, uh, you mentioned Zahi, he said, we'll need to take a look at ourselves. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Now, he did also say August 16th is when our season finished. We are not fit. We are just not fit. And maybe that is the only explanation for just how uh, terrible they were and, and comprehensively beaten they were. Why, what was going on here? Well, it's funny. I watched um, 
McTominay was playing in there with, and, and I was thinking, because I watched him, he's all energy a lot of the time. You know, he's not the best player on the team, but, you know, at least you're going to get all the energy. And he looks sluggish as well. And I've watched him playing for Scotland. And exactly the same. I'm thinking, what's happened? You know, and there was, and there's been a lot of players like that. I mean, some players, when you come back to a pre-season, some players, just, you just flew from the start. You just felt great. I was dead lucky. It might be something you've got to do with a wee bit easier for the lighter guys, the little guys, you know, you just, but to get the big power guys up and going to that level right away, Another player was um, who was playing earlier on today was John McGinn, and he had such a sluggish start again with Scotland, but it's beginning to come. And you will get that with a number of players. It just seemed to happen with quite a few of them uh, at Manchester United there, and they can't really afford that, um, except especially with the kind of liveliness that you saw with Crystal Palace. But it just happened. There are some players, it just takes a while to get them going. And it's, it's hard to explain why you watch them in pre-season, working as hard as everybody else. The numbers look the same as everybody else's, but it just don't seem to be able to fly so easily. And the thing, the phrase you always use in pre-season is like, you get through it to get to that bit where it doesn't hurt anymore. So you're running for 90 minutes and it's actually, you kind of don't feel it. Mm. You just keep on going for most of it and running at full pace for a long period of time doesn't really get to you. But it takes a while to get there. It just takes different players a period of time. If you've got it may only be three or four in your team that are not doing that. See if you get three or four in your team that are, you know, a good bit off it. The rest of them, they'll look bad as well. Sure. Because they might be up against nine or ten who are absolutely up and ready for it. So it's, in this season, everything's exaggerated mm. and accentuated because of the lack of break, which, again, going back to the goals thing, that may be part of that as well. And Pat, if we look, I mean, Manchester United have, have sorted out a lot in recent times and, and offensively can put together seriously competitive numbers now. But you think how they bowed out of the Europa League semi-final against Sofia, it was a, a defensive issue. And you saw on Saturday, I mean, defensively, pretty awful as well. You know, and I'd say Har Harry Maguire's probably had a rough couple of weeks. You know, I don't doubt it. But if, if we were, you know, talking about Manchester United aspiring to win leagues in two or three or even four years' time, probably at this stage, how many of that back four are hanging around? Do you know the Wan-Bissaka thing is, is kind of odd because I've got this problem with I don't think he's good enough going forward. But nowhere near, he's not in the top four or five English right-backs going, going forward. Yet he was a big signing and he has a good def defender and he's an interesting player and he can go past people. But that's almost a failing now. But maybe that's enough for him. You just get a feeling they're never going to trust Shaw on the left-hand side as well. Maguire, I suspect, with the right player around them, will be fine. You know, you just need somebody who, who works with them. I mean, you, you look at all the great centre-half partnerships over the years, and even back in the day where Manchester United had some fantastic ones. Well, they weren't always perfect on their own, but they, they, they just worked really nicely together, and they knew which one attacked, they knew which, how to work on, with each other, they had a good understanding with each other. And it's something that, and I'm just talking Manchester United here, there's a lot of that around at the moment, mm. you know, I mean, you don't, the thing I hate most is saying, in my day we used to do this and people go, well, yawn, turn it off. Yeah. In actual fact, seeing the amount of good centre-halves I played with, and I mean international world-class one, they just talk to each other all the time. And if they, if they walk two yards out of line, he's maybe shout, back, and just shout them. And they would just always be in this piece of string with each other. I'm watching so many of these centre-half pairings and you can't call them a pairing. Mm. 
they just seem individuals who are playing a game. And there's a lot of them. I mean, you've talked about Chelsea before. Did, I'm sure anyone who watched Christensen and Zuma in the game, <laughs> how far apart they were when yeah. for the sending off. You think, what would possess you to stand that far apart? There is no benefit to it, none mm. whatsoever. You get close, you get tight, you work off each other. And it's, it's like, I mean, I'm talking, if you played under 16 football, you learned that. And I'm watching a lot of teams now and thinking, you're not doing that. And it's really, and you're, you're seeing it. When I watched the, the, the Leeds game the other day, you know, playing against film, you're thinking, why are you people not working together? And it's a very, very, very odd thing. So, yes, we might mention Maguire and whoever you want to put alongside him. But you need somebody you can talk to, you can relate to, you can understand each other. That's the same with every centre-half partnership. And I suspect Maguire just needs somebody beside him. Okay. Everton 5, West Brom 2. So, Hammers is going to be fun. I think your, your Merseyside leanings are probably yeah, tingling a little bit. Zero sprints, Pat. I mean, I, I think to go out and play a Premier League football match and, and register zero sprints is like an achievement. <laughs> you know, it's like, how, how can you even do that? But he did it. And then there was his goal, and there was his ding to uh, Richarlison. How's his general play? How, what, what's he doing for Everton? Well, it's really, the general play is great. You know, the, the touches, the, the vision is fantastic. And I'll be honest, I'm hands up, but I wasn't convinced, not, not convinced at all, because is he going to be able to do it at that level? You know, the, the hardly burly of the Premier League. And he's one of those players we are talking about coming to the Premier League. It might take you a wee while. Now, let's be fair. That was West Brom. I went to see West Brom last week. They're going to struggle. They are seriously going to struggle. They're going to have a tough, tough time. Um, so he, he just, the thing that got me more, yes, the flex were good, yes, the goal, all that sort of stuff was good. Every time I looked at him, he was looking where the space was. He just kept on looking to the side. And he just, glazed, he just, he just kind of went into it effortlessly every time and found that space. And it's the oldest one in the book. It's a terrible cliche. Good players find space. He was absolutely brilliant at it. So he didn't just sprint in the space. He just let it develop and then moved into it at the right time. And that side of it, that level of match intelligence was a way above anybody else, certainly on that pitch on the day. Um, but he, the other thing that was kind of noticeable, he seemed to immediately develop a great understanding with Richarlison. Now, they'll get a lot of goals, I'm sure, for Calvert-Lewin. He's going to love playing with that. But him and Richarlison, it seemed to really work. It was like a real wavelength thing between the two of them. Um, and I think there was a link up for goal, but also you watch Richarlison, he's actually now working much, much harder as of last season. But now he's putting it in and he's got somebody beside him who he believes is of his level now. <laughs> mm. So he's going to love playing with them. So, yeah, it's exciting times. There will be some games, by the way, will need to sprint. You know, he's, he's good, but, you know, there's going to be some games you're going to need to put it in, mate. Um, but it, it was a, it's been a brilliant start for him. It's been a great start for Everton. Um, the fans are kind of, they don't want to be carried away. They've had a few false dawns in the past, but I think they're going to be, they're going to be great fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely it seems that way. And, and, you know, it's funny when, you know, Ancelotti arrived and I think there was a general sense he's, he was yesterday's man. And what does he bring to the party? And he's a facilitator when he's got really good players at hand at Munich or Madrid. And... Lo and behold, they've re-emerged this season. Turns out he knows what he's doing, probably, Pat. But I, I was more of the... Because I talked to quite a few people down there um, when he came in and then talked to people around the city and they all keep on saying that same thing. He's in love with the place. 
He loves the club. He's, he's now working with a club that's a football club. It's not a conglomerate. And I think he's been kind of completely reborn with it. He's found his kind of love of it. Now, you don't often see the big smiles from Carlo, but you can see that he's doing it actually now again for a passion, as a as opposed to the way he was doing it before, which was he looked like a very good concert businessman running the business of a football team. And it, it kind of looks like something better than that. So I think it amazes me, and I wouldn't have seen it coming at all, but he has landed in the perfect place for himself. And the thing on top of that, expectations are limited, and they are limited still. Nobody's saying they're going to be top four. Yet he's got a team and he's got money. He's got a lot of money that, he can, that he's been able to spend, but they're backed him in everything he wants. And Hamas is a big one to be backed on. So they backed him in everything. So he looks like me to a man who thinks, I could spend two years, three years, four years, five years here, and then I might just leave and chuck it. And that's me, done. But his last one will be a labour of love. And it, it really does look like that. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I've, I'm partial to Everton. I've seen plenty of other managers there, but maybe it hasn't looked like a labour of love. It's just looked like a labour. But with him, no, I think he's, uh, he's falling in love with the place. All right, OK, very interesting. And um, while we're on Everton for a moment, Seamus Coleman looks to be back and join his football. And, you know, uh, nice for him not to have to come out after every game and do an interview where he says, we know it's not good enough and the players have to do more. Uh, we, I mean, the Republic of Ireland, have, have, uh, don't have many Premier League starters. And so we do in Seamus Coleman and in Matt Doherty. She- uh, Stephen Kenny, our new manager, plays a flat back four. And uh, Coleman really owned that number two jersey for however long, guts of a decade at this stage. Kenny went with Matt Doherty. Um, do you, would you have a strong leaning in the flat back for Coleman or Matt Doherty for Ireland? I, th- I think both of them are international class and can do it. And the, the problem is similar to England and similar to Scotland. Um, and, it, and you've got, well, do you know what your biggest problem is? You start manipulating everything to get them both in. Um, and that's turned out to be a mistake for Scotland. You know, Scotland trying to get Kieran Tierney and uh, Robertson in at left fullback, and you end up twisting and turning and putting three people in places they shouldn't be playing just to fit it so that they can play. And then you end up playing a three at the back where you get Tierney as a left centre-back, which is not his best position. He's a left-back as his best position, a left wing-back. And then you play Robertson as a wing-back, who's actually far better at left-back coming from deep. And you, you actually blowing both of them. So the big thing is, make a decision, whatever one you're going to go for, for that particular game and stick with them. Because yeah. um, the mistake you can make is you tr- just try to shove them all in because they're, they're brilliant. You know, they're very, very good at what they do. Um, that that really can be a mistake. I mean, again, with England, they're, they're incredible. They're the right fullbacks they've got. But you, know, you look at Gareth, he's not, he's not jumped, has he? He's just went, no, no, this is the guy I'm going with this one. I'm not trying to fit another one in right midfield of that, just doing it right. So that's the thing. Make a choice. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure how much difference it makes. Yeah. It's, the problems are probably elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, our issue is not Coleman or Doherty at right back. We have we have bigger fish to fry. Um, I won't really get a chance to talk to you about Son and Kane doing their thing for Spurs. Obviously, Gareth Bale is set to arrive, I mean, or has arrived which is uh, pretty interesting. I don't think we've spoken since the season kicked off. So between the jigs and the reels and the early showings, uh, this looks, I mean, City are 2-0 up and very comfortable and look sharp against Wolves at the moment. Uh, that, that's kind of a chastening 
opening weekend for the likes or, sorry we're into the second week and now opening weekend for United not for uh, Chelsea but that's a chastening weekend for Manchester United and for uh, Chelsea Spurs obviously lost in the opening weekend I mean any any sense that they were edging closer to Liverpool or City's taking a bit of a dent um, yeah but I, I still think this for all of them it's a long term goal I don't think any of them think that they should be able to catch them this season because you know, certainly it's just with Chelsea it's, a, it's, it's half a new team so you expect to walk in there, waltz in there and beat teams that have been set up in a different class for years. Uh, that's that's a long shot. Um, mm. Spurs is an interesting one because when if you do get, and it's such a big if, if you do get Son and Kane and then suddenly you get Bale as well, uninjured, and remember the uninjured part of it mm. is very, very, very important with Gareth Bale. That's actually really scary. You know, you... you you could actually say Mourinho has no choice. He has to go and play the most open game in Greg imaginable. <laughs> and that would be good, but will that be enough to catch the, the big two? Nah, I don't think so. And United, um, I, I don't know, I don't see it. If, I've, I'm not saying if Paul Pogba ever again in my life, I'm fed up with saying it. Mm. You know, because you, you know it could happen, but the fact that it's not happening often enough, I, I just give up. And they'll have a great two or three months at one point and everybody will say it's there got to do it season after season if you're going certainly for an entire season if you're going to win by the way big chance they're missed by Wolves they've had a couple of really good chances mm. Man City are back to their normal defending <laughs> um, but really for uh, Manchester United it strikes me as I'm, I'm not sure if they get top four again I still think they're doing really really quite well mm. who, do you, who do you think is going to win the league this year? Um, well, I was going to say City before I watched them t- tonight because I've got Buying Aki, I think, was a brilliant idea. Um, I think Aki's a fantastic player for them because he's absolutely comfortable in the ball. Uh, he's a he's good old-fashioned centre-half and he has to be a good old-fashioned centre-half and we all knew that's where the, the weakness possibly was. Um, you know, if they played their first 11 all the time, played their style, they'd probably win the league. I think it's a toss-up between Liverpool and Man City. I hope and expect it will be tight between the two of them. And it might even come down to if Liverpool keep all their players fit, they'll probably win it. Do I think they will? Probably not, because I don't think they keep them all fit. Mm. Okay. I'm just seeing actually second half attempts. Wolves four to Man City's one, an hour on the clock. So I've, I'm kind of watching this game and presenting the show as well. I, I said they look sharp. I've seen the goals. They haven't been overly impressive then, City, for you? No, they were in the first half. They've just, Wolves in the last five minutes have missed three utter settles, complete settles. They are shredding City at the back at the moment. Um, and they don't—they look completely lost, and you know that partnership of uh, it's like Aki and Stones at the moment. And, yeah. Well, you can—you—you you, you don't need to say it. You know what the problem is immediately. <laughs> the problem is going to be there. Mm. You know, Aki and somebody else, maybe Stones and somebody else, but them, them two together, I'm not convinced that would be uh, a first choice really. So at the moment they've been shredded, but they're very, very fortunate that the fact that they are still two 0 up, and uh, they'll probably see out the game, mm. but. Pep is absolutely beside himself because at the moment they're just beginning to look as if they're falling apart. It's funny, you know, Damien Delaney was in here and he got to know John Stones a little bit coming through and his sense of Stones as a personality was that he's a real worrier, uh, mm. like a very conscientious fella, nice fella, but a real worrier and, you know, just feels like all of this has got on top of him and maybe Pep isn't the most arm around the shoulder type and ever since I've heard that, I am just rooting for John Stones in a big way, so I'm, I'm, I'm not delighted to hear what you're telling me tonight. He does look like a nice guy, by the way. He's just lost his forward 
again. Yeah. <laughs> Wolves have had another chance there, which they should have scored. Um, but yeah, it, I would agree with that. He, he, he does look better. But and you talking about Pep not being an arm around the shoulder guy. He was incredible the way he backed Stones early on. He backed him, and he backed him, and he backed him, and he talked to him, and he spoke to him all the time as if you are like my son. Mm. And after a while, he just thought, hey, we're trying to grow up now. And he just stood back from me. Um, and I, th- I think he's tried one way, and he didn't think it worked well enough, quickly enough. I think he's trying the old tough love way at the moment. Um, um, and we'll, we'll find out if that's going to work. He does need to toughen up. He really does need to toughen yeah. up, psychologically. Yeah. Pat and Evan, great as always. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Look forward to it. See you then. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 